Welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hooton. I'm joined as ever by Alan Scheller. Alan, how you doing? I'm very well, Christopher. What's been going on in your world recently? Not a lot. How about you? <laughs> so not a lot. I know we said we wouldn't uh, talk about coronavirus too much in the podcast, but honestly, it's such a part of our lives now that it's quite hard not to. It's all I think about, Chris. (laughs) When I wake up, I think of the virus. When I go to bed, I think of the virus. That's it. I know, man. We were going to go to um, Iceland, weren't we, to see a friend of the show, Ragnar Axelsson. I think we'll still hopefully do that at some point, but we discovered that you have to quarantine for five days upon arrival, which is... I mean, it's not, it's not fine, happening. but it's not, not an ideal way to start a trip and kind of expensive to just sit in a hotel room for five days. Yeah, well, you, I mean, Chris, you know me very well. Uh, could you imagine being just stuck with me in a hotel room for five days? We would, we would kill each other, yeah. I mean, Alan have very different approaches to hotel life, so I don't think it would be compatible. You'd love it, I think. I think you'd be I fine. I actually would you'd love just it. have I've, loads of baths. I would. I love a hotel. And read a book, whereas I'd be like sitting at the window trying to take photos. You, you would be pa- yeah, you'd be pacing up and down. Well, I'd, I'd be like in a bubble bath watching Vanilla Sky on my iPad being like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. We, we snuck in. We saw Tenet, didn't we? We went, we went for uh, soup dumplings and then saw Christopher Nolan's new film, which was a nice way to spend an afternoon. Although I don't think feel like either of us particularly would, were vibing on the film, were we? I don't know what your thoughts were. No, um, it's it's uh, it's impossible to vibe on something that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. He said it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, I, I, that, you know what? I remember when Inception came out and I, I did sort of like it, but it was verging on the kind of convolutedness where I was just like, oh, really? I kind of... I'm not really getting any kind of a, a emotion from this film. And I felt just like Tenet was like doubling down on that and going even further with it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, obviously I broadly understood the, the general, you know, bare bones of what it's about and the, the setup and everything. But obviously like the intricacies, you have to be studying it like a textbook. And I'm sure like if Christopher Nolan sat me down in a room, you know, with a whiteboard and a marker and was like, this is every single thing that's happening and going on and all the twists and turns and the, the pincer movement within a, temporal pincer movement i'm sure i would completely understand it but like you shouldn't need that like for a film i mean i guess that appeals to some people and don't get me wrong i do like a an interesting technical plot but it just seemed so off the scales didn't it the point i I just didn't care about the story i I didn't see why it was so important that that well you know the the main female lead i didn't care about her kid or about her you know she was like oh i've got to do it for my child it's so important It's it's not that important in the grand scheme of things, I'm sorry I know. to say. And, and, and it's not even about getting it or not getting it. It's also just like, I, I felt like it, it It had so much to tell, so much story to tell, that it didn't even have time with the characters. Like I felt like we were following this guy around and like supposed to be invested in his journey. And he hadn't even had a single sort of, you know, scene that kind of spoke to his character or where he was just like shooting the shit and you kind of got a feel for who he is. It was just like, it was almost like, it felt a bit like jumping into a TV show in like episode four and you're just like, right, everyone's going everywhere, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it demanded quite a lot of uh, of knowledge that I think most people, like 99% of the population, myself very much included, had just no interest or or, or knowledge in. Which is which was odd because I I felt like Inception was was a you know quite a fantasist escapist kind of interesting idea whereas this one just felt like 
I don't know, it just felt like a, a massive lesson in physics, but also just loads of guns and loads and loads of dramatic timpani drums. And, Agreed. And, and, like- and non just non-stop, non-stop action and just twisting plots and changing direction that it was just like oh my god yeah and like it wasn't enjoyable it wasn't and i remember you know within inception that if if people have yet to check it out we spoke to wally fister who's a cinematographer in that film and many of christian Nolan's others like watching the the action film the action sequences were still like interesting and you know watching the world turn back on itself i got like a real kick out of that even though even if i didn't particularly respond to the the plot that much but with tenet like Apart from the whole, you know, catching of bullets thing, I didn't think the action sequences, like that bit on the highway with, you know, a car being penned in, it kind of left me cold. I don't know. I, I don't know. It just felt wholly unnecessary. I'm sorry to say. For, yeah. For and me. I mean, you know what? I mean, he's made, Chris Nolan has made so many good films. I mean, he's t- totally due, due and, and not so good one. Um, but I just, I'd love to see him do something a bit more linear next, you know. There's this bit in the film I remember where characters like, you better not get on that plane unless you're okay with non-linear thinking. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Linear thinking is actually not that bad. <laughs> I quite like <laughs> linear thinking. Um, and even like Interstellar, I mean, it had its complex elements, but I, I really enjoyed that film. I feel like that was a good amount of like complexity, whereas this one was just like complexity for complexity's sake. Yeah, but- in- Interstellar took me a couple of goes to um, to want to understand. Or to, to, to actually understand. But, but I actually wanted to watch it a couple of times because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Whereas this film was, uh, I don't think I'm gonna. I, I fancy going to see it again. No, agreed. Um, it just seemed like a, a, a really, really out of overly dramatic kind of fam- domestic family issue. That uh, <laughs> just, I don't know why it got so blown out. Of, what's wrong with that dude? But he, he just clearly, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have made a film about it. But I'm not Christopher Nolan, and he's a very, very, very clever man. He and is a very, very clever maybe man. Maybe if I watch it 12 times, I'll, I'll appreciate it more. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, it was still, uh, we got to sit in reclining chairs and watch a nice movie. It was still a nice afternoon out. You take got to take your kicks where you can get them in lockdown. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, there we go. We've done 33 minutes on Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It's actually going to, I promise you, it's going to come full circle. You'll see this like a Christopher Nolan film. We're going to end up where we started in this discussion today, which we we decided we'd have a This episode is sponsored by Tenet. (laughs) I fucking wish it was. Even that Warner Brothers money, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Show me the money. (laughs) Played in reverse. Um, Yeah, today we talk about... (laughs) <laughs> about uh good and and bad ideas and how you discern between the two of them and how that tends to like change over time and a little bit bleeding into curation i don't know i think you would you would imagine kind of as someone creating whatever they're creating with this film photography art like over over time they're gonna have more good ideas right but actually, I don't know, in my experience and in general, I think you tend to have less or maybe you're just better at being selective about them. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm kind of interested in that. And like, you know, it's, I think especially when you're starting out, it's very easy to kind of just any an idea pops into your head as it does a lot and you just kind of run with it. Um, yeah. And one of the disciplines is like thinking through like, has this got legs and is this really where I should be? directing my time i don't know how do you think about it 
Well, I guess to, we're talking about quality control here, really, aren't we? Mm. Um, and especially when you're starting out, I think it's quite tempting to, uh, as you're learning, you, you're, for example, with photography, the first couple of years that you're shooting, you see the biggest kind of improvements and, and you're, you know, you go from the stage of not knowing what the hell's going on, literally with the with the device itself to understanding maybe a bit about light and doing this and that and then all of a sudden you're producing pictures that three months ago you could never have done and then three months apart from you know later from that you figured out a bit how to edit and so forth and and it's very exciting and you can feel like you know uh like you're making huge progress and that's a great thing but the the thing that that is kind of a, a new thing now is is the fact that because of instagram and uh youtube and things like that people feel i think feel the need to publish as soon as as like often as you know just to show the mm. world what they could do and um without really thinking about uh what it is that they're showing almost just like churning out stuff just for the sake of it just so that they can show people and, and i i do understand that but i think um I mean, I'm going to speak from a photographer's point of view. I, I was lucky that I, I was shooting for a couple of years before I was on social media. So by the time I did join, um, I had an idea of what it was I was doing. I, uh, I think it's quite an obvious thing to see people experimenting on, you know, online. You, you know, you see like eight or nine photos of color work or and then another few of something like architecture, then some of this and that. And and that's okay if you're just if you're not taking it particularly seriously but i think it's it's uh you know the the whole thing of actually curating yourself and actually looking at what you're doing and thinking about it is is missing and that is the part that i think the more into it you get the more critical it is and and it ends up being pretty much the most important thing is you know how what what it is that you deem good enough to to put out and but also what you deem good enough to to come up with and shoot in the first place yeah it's interesting you mentioned that about instagram and, and and everything kind of ramping up i hadn't really thought about that but you're right it's like there is a expectation to put out more and therefore fundamentally that would mean setting the bar lower wouldn't it like i it gets to the point now where sometimes if i haven't made something in like five or six months i sort of feel like Oh fuck! I'm what I'm really lagging behind here. What am I doing? But that's mm. crazy. Like you know, normally in a, in a normal world, if you saw that someone like released something last year, you'd be like, oh, fair, fair enough. I wonder what they're doing this year. But a kind of cycle of when you you need to create again seems to got shorter and shorter. And that's probably thinking in the realms of like I don't know an article or a film or something. In in my case, but like I'm, I can imagine that's only even like ratcheted up worse if you're like you know super into publishing on youtube or tiktok i'm sure if it's like if you haven't <laughs> created in a well, day I, you're probably like yeah, losing I, it. I, it but that's what's being demanded now of, of um like there's this uh on youtube there's this uh car channel uh that i've occasionally watched and they race amazing cars and vision you know all these kinds of things that i'm i'm into and uh they come up with a new bloody video that's like 20 minutes long every day and I just yeah. think, and they're good. And mm. I just think, how the hell do you do you do that? You know, I, I mean, obviously they've got a big team, and I think they're doing a lot. Of, they're, they're they're making quite a lot of money through their account, but it's uh, it's 
it's interesting that that's the point that they've got to that they're doing that kind of thing now where they they have this constant need to release and so obviously not i don't watch all their videos but you know i watch the ones that interest me but some of them are just really you could tell when they're scrambling for ideas yeah uh and and i feel like that's the same with a lot of newspapers uh you know particularly on on the 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 online side of things you just think why is this article even in here you know how many times have people said that to themselves you know what what is this really newsworthy and mm. I think I think maybe twenty years ago, no, it would not have been. Uh, but people are, are trying to find desperate for content, and and the whole idea of uh, you're only as good as your last piece of work isn't is no longer a concept that matters. Yeah, uh, that sort of that ties into like creating to a deadline, which I hate. And when I was purely doing journalism, I occasionally I think there were a couple of times where I sort of was asked to do like a, a column, you know, or, or something where you, you know, you have a thing that comes out every week on exactly the same time. Mm. And I grew to, I grew to hate it because speaking about quality control, it forces you to throw it out the window in, in a sense, because you have to have opinions and thoughts to a deadline. Mm. And often you'd, and there, this happens right the way to the top. There are people out there who have columns and, and what you don't see is they're, they're there on Friday afternoon, like, ah, oh, shit, this, this has to go out in two days. What do I think? And then they have to just scramble something together. And sometimes it might, might work out, but a lot of times it's not going to be great. So it's, that's an interesting kink to it for sure. But, um, it's funny the the regularity like it, it makes me think of if music and i think now especially the financial incentives being what they are in music where like streaming royalties are so bad a lot of people put out a lot of stuff especially in like rap people put out mixtapes they might do you know two or three mixtapes a year and it on the surface of it it sort of seems like the that's the new standard method but people who buck that in some cases are like the most respected and most paid like frank ocean who i'm a massive fan of i think he he's known for like just dis he literally goes off the grid he just like disappears to japan and then like comes back five or six years later with an album that is not only fantastic but sells really well because there's been so much excitement and it's and it's there's a rarity to it so mm. it's obviously there's two very different like routes and people like drake and other people who do put out so much stuff they're obviously making a lot of money but so there is two different routes between being hyper frequent and very low frequency but yeah it's yeah, all tied but, up mean, in the internet someone era. like drake will will have a um it's different though when you're a celebrity i think because people are interested just you know by definition they're just interested in that person so you know they can actually just release what they're doing that day or or you know a little bit about their lives and that keeps people interested and it's almost nowadays about like online you know building a just a, an obsession in, in in someone and trying to get people to be really interested in your life and showing people how great your life is and all this kind of thing and or or and also now the the, the relatively new thing is showing how uh, empathetic you are to other people's causes and mm. putting out all that kind of stuff and you know keeping but it's all just to keep people in hooked and, and waiting for your next release really i mean i think that a lot of it is like that you know because they're all business people and um i'm not saying that's a bad thing that's uh, just how it is yeah um but you know i it's easy for me to say you know i, I as a photographer 
I think we, I can't think of much, many other creative industries that are so easy to keep releasing material. That's not to say that it's all going to be the best material, but, you know, compared to a musician who has to jump in a studio and write with other people and mix a master or, you know, an author who has to write a book or a, a filmmaker who has to shoot, you know, even shooting a 30 second ad takes, mm. takes a lot of planning and a lot of, a lot of uh, work, a lot of money. Um, so I, I feel very lucky in the fact that, you know, my day-to-day challenge is, is just, like we said, curation and and quality control and making sure that what I'm putting out is in, in my kind of branding or, you know, style, whatever you want to call it, and uh, is is of interest to, to, to me. But also, you know, for pr- primarily I have to be confident in it. And but so I, that that process still applies to all those other things like writing music and making films. You still got to be super critical and super. It's such a hard process. I definitely feel for uh, you know art art filmmakers. You know it's different for people making videos about cars or about whatever because mm. it's just it's just more. You know, you don't have to worry so much about the uh, you know the cinematography, for example, or the quality of the audio. Yeah. It's interesting. I think with photography, there's to, to some extent, I feel like it's a, you can be a bit more free with it in terms of how much you release. I'm thinking about how often when you go back and look at, you know, photographers you love, particularly ones from, you know, the 20th century, um, they might have like 4,000, 5,000, maybe more images online. And that wouldn't necessarily really happen with other mediums. And I'm not thinking about that in terms of just the fact that you know, it's quicker to shoot a photograph. But I, I think because it, there's more of like a pick and choose thing with photography where like there can be 5,000 images out there and people will gravitate to the ones they like and that's kind of fine. Whereas that wouldn't happen so much. You know, if you put out 5,000 songs and 3,000 of them were shit, then you'd be kind of done. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There is <laughs> yeah. like a... There's well, an element I mean, these of days, like, if you put out one song that's shit, you're done with a label. Yeah. And that's not to, I'm not denigrating it in any way, but it's, it's quite nice, if anything, that you can kind of, it's more like, there's more like selection on the on the behalf of the viewer with photography. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but also it's consumed so quickly. You know, you look mm. at it and then you're done. Uh, whereas a song you have to commit to, you sit there for three minutes and it's almost like more expectation because uh, more, more time has been put into making it and also more time is required in actually experiencing it. So I think people tend to have more of a negative or positive opinion you know people like say oh you know they really love music people almost everyone loves music you know regardless of what you do in life and um so people have strong opinions on it whereas with photos you know there aren't if i said to someone you know what's your favorite song they could probably rattle out 10 what's your favorite film what's your favorite photo i don't think many people who aren't in the industry would necessarily be like oh i don't you know they probably even thought of that before mm. uh, so it, it's just a different thing but i found i'm lucky that people like it enough that you know are interested enough that i've been able to build a following and, and do work stuff with it which is nice i guess the hard bit for me wasn't so much you know it's not actually taking the pictures it was building up the stuff to get to this point rather than and now it's kind of sustaining if yeah. you see what i mean do you think um so like, I remember reading, I think it was about like a, a Beyonce album where um, I think 
there was something like 80 songs that were kind of being considered for it, you know, in the, in the studio up on a whiteboard somewhere. And then, you know, eventually it was whittled down to these, you know, presumably 11 or 12 or whatever. And the other ones were just, you know, in the, in the fire pit. Um, do you feel the same way? Obviously, I mean, should, that's partly the, the luxury of, you know, having the budget and the time to be able to crack out that many songs. But like, do you, do you find as you get further in that you're, you, you're having less good ideas in in the sense that you're like probably being a bit more hard with yourself about what is what you is coming out of your head or coming out of your camera that is good compared to what you thought was good when you started out. I think it's all very relative. Uh, also, I'd like to say uh, that's a very country country boy thing you just said. Uh, chuck the idea in the fire pit <laughs> in the in the wood chipper. <laughs> Put it through the wood chipper. Um, yeah. I I think. Um, I think that it's all relative, you know, like looking back at my stuff from the beginning, you know, that back then I was like, whoa, you know, this is good. You know, obviously I look back on anything before kind of 2016, I look back on and almost, almost everything from 2015 as well. I just thought was, you know, it's just not, it's not up to scratch and that's okay. Um, but it is, it's maybe I'll feel like that in five or 10 years time about what I'm producing now, but I don't think so. I think I've got to the point where I'm happy with, with what I've produced and, and so forth, but it is, it's, it's just all changing in, in terms of, I felt like I was organically developing before and, and now it's become much more of a thought process, you know, it's not just going out there and shooting and curating myself later and discovering all this stuff about myself as well through what i'm obviously interested in and all this kind of stuff now it's kind of like right i've done i'm doing all this now i've got to do something different and so it's becoming much more of a thought based thing rather than just an organic you know like shooting experience i I don't know how else to describe it so Mm. it's yeah it is a lot more cerebral and it is you know I, i i don't want to just churn out the same stuff you know, I could shoot silhouettes and dogs all day long and that would be great. And maybe people wouldn't, would like that, but I, I, I don't want to do it. And I always get to a point where I've, I take, like when I was doing my portraits on the street, so I was stopping people, you know, I was taking these, I, I, I ended up taking one that I was like, I don't think I could do a better one than that. And, and I try, I carried on and, and having done it for like two years and then, I carried on for a bit more and I was, you know, I just thought, why am I doing this? I need to think of doing something different. And that's when I thought, okay, got to mix things up a bit. And I tried a few different ideas and this didn't work and that didn't work, that didn't work. And then I ended up getting a really wide angle lens and trying to incorporate architecture into my stuff. Uh, Cause it was all close up face stuff before and human emotion and all this stuff. And and then I thought maybe I should make the subject really tiny in the picture and try experimenting with that. And that ended up becoming the series that I've been exhibiting. So that that was, you know, it definitely was a thought process. And and I've I've been coming up, you know, I tried to shoot the whole pandemic thing. Um I've done some pictures that I, you know, I could do an exhibition on it probably. I, I could, you know, I've been shooting the whole the whole of this year, but I just wasn't digging it as a Yeah. How it just, interesting it how interesting is that like that's been my perception as well. It, I, I remember, you know, going into this, it was thinking, you know, even we sort of touched on it in the Joel Merowitz episode. Yeah, like, well, like, you know, if nothing else, this is going to be like the most kind of cinematic kind of interesting thing to document. I've barely seen anything that I find 
interesting that's no, come out of it. It's, it's so weird. Yeah, and and you know, I, to be honest, I've been shooting. I've been going to Asia for the past four years. I've been shooting face masks already. I've got True. pictures of face masks going back to you know. So you know, the whole thing of oh, look at people in face masks. I, I you know, I tend to go for single subjects anyway. So someone in a face mask silhouetted in 2017 you know is going to be quite you know mm. it's, i'm not really saying anything different by i don't know the, the one thing i wanted to do is to try and get into the hospitals and shoot uh some of that and you know obviously take as as much precaution as i could and wearing the full protective gear but it just it never really materialized and i started thinking about it is a risk and all this and you know you don't want to put your people around you in in trouble because of what you're deciding to do um and so i I didn't really push as hard as i could have uh but i just thought you know so i i thought it'd be interesting to juxtapose the people you know the empty streets with like really busy hospitals you know wow what what a original idea that is but Mm. um i just found the whole empty street thing and you know it's interesting and, and maybe it will be interesting in in 20 years you know to show someone hopefully this never ha- happens again yeah on the planet i i suspect it might but yeah. um you know that's why i took the pictures even though i wasn't really fancying it but i i'm i'm not gonna put it out there as a series or and that's fine you know some people a lot of photographers have because and why not uh but that's an example I, i'm trying to give of of something that i've tried i've actually you know engaged with and thought about and and just thought no not not really for me and i think for a, a, you know photographers listening or people making films it you know it's it's all right to come up with an idea and actually invest in it and and it not be good and not be uh not work out quite as you as you wished i, th- I think that's something that i would have certainly liked to have heard when I got into photography and music as well, you know, that it's all right, you know, cause I, I felt I put an enormous amount of pressure on myself to, to make every endeavor I did a success. And I would take it quite badly if I, if something didn't work out and looking back now, I think, you know, of course it's, it's, it's almost like verging on arrogance to have that opinion, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, everything I do should be a huge success, but of course it's not going to be. And I think that's just, it's just ambition that is uh clouding logic yeah <laughs> i guess just to put a final point on i think with just the, with the coronavirus thing it was like you know it's just there's not much out there it's not like you know a war zone where there's <laughs> crumbling walls and it just there isn't much of a visual aspect to it i think you know once everyone had gone out and got like the shot of times square or the champs Elysees or the Oxford Circus or something quiet is kind of like visually there wasn't really lots of latch on the to. one I mean the, the one that I kept seeing again and again maybe want to mash my face through my phone was the one of like someone's daughter or wife or partner just looking out of a window <laughs> oh my god yeah and it's like you know quarantine day eight as the caption is just like oh Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah it's or, like- or like a picture of a muddied face mask on the floor you know so yeah 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 that 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 one of like life at home during quarantine is such a thing it's like yeah motherfucker, like, if you want to see a picture of someone just staring out soullessly out of the window i do that every goddamn day of the week during yeah. <laughs> non-plague times you don't need to wait for coronavirus and also like there's this whole obsession as well with home life and you know you've got to show your personal life you got to show i 
Henri Cartier-Bresson never shot his his bloody house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he went out there and found interesting things to shoot. He wasn't like, oh, do you know what? I'm interesting by definition because I am Henri Cartier-Bresson. So everything in my life is therefore interesting and therefore I'm going to put that out. Thank God yeah. he didn't. Um, and maybe there there are some pictures he did of, you know, I've looked at many of his pictures. I haven't looked at his entire archive. I don't think everyone, many people have. I'm sure there are some personal images in there, but. Are you telling me you missed the Cartier-Bresson nude series where it's just him in like hot pants in the bath? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty tight. You should check them out. Um, I was thinking about um, oh dear. Draw, drawing us back to quality control somewhat. I remember, you know, we've talked a few times in the podcast about like how, you know, a career ends up being defined about what you say no to as much as what you say yes to. And I was kind of thinking about, um, it's also about saying no to yourself sometimes. I don't know if this will resonate as much with you because I think our instincts are some sometimes different, but sometimes like moving through life and just like listening to things or watching things, I would just sort of think I can do that. I can do that. And I want to, I will see someone doing something. I think I'm, and I think, Oh, they're not doing that this well. They, this could be done differently. And I'll have this, this urge to like that I should go. And then I have to stop myself and be like, yes, you, you probably could do that. But would that actually be like a, a, a good use of your minimal time on earth? If you just like, it, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. But. I, I think it totally makes sense. And, and you are, you know, I've not, I know Chris very well and, and, cannot emphasize like chris sometimes will come up and be like i think i could help this business and it's like some sort of a <laughs> restaurant or something he's like i think i could really redefine what they're doing <laughs> and it's like yeah yeah you sure you could but do you really want to do yeah that? you could but then you'd blink and like 10 years would have passed and you're now just like a, a restaurateur and it's like what the fuck happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not what i wanted to do yeah yeah i, I mean oh i'm of the belief that uh do you remember in, um, what film is it? I think it's Catch Me If You Can, where he says to Frank, his dad says, you know, or is it in, in Blow with uh, Johnny Depp, where his dad, I can't remember what film, but it, there's a scene where he's with his dad and, you know, everyone knows what they do is, you know, that they're crooks essentially. And he says, you know, I, I can't stop doing what I'm doing because I'm so good at it. And his dad says, you could have been good at anything. Mm. And, and, I, and I think, Yes, it's a cliched line that a lot of people say, but I think someone who's smart, ambitious, and driven, you know, and personable can can almost get into anything if you, you know, if you. I, I'm I'm a big believer in hard work, kind of trumping natural talent, and I think you know, being someone who's driven, that's the real talented side of it. You know, like like you see all these people, like I don't know, like The Rock, for example. You know, he's like a property tycoon. Obviously, he's in fitness. Or like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was like in property. He was in acting. He was in politics. He was in this, in that. You know, and it's just someone who's clearly applying themselves and and just going for it and doing the things that they want. And yeah, just believing that they can do it and having the resources to do it as well. But to get yourself into that position, you have to, you can't just, I, I don't think that you can literally pick anything. It, it's wise to think about it and and on a more macro level when it comes to producing something artistic you know i could do a series on the amazon rainforest the lost tribes of the amazon i could pick something like you know fishermen in in the arctic i don't know any, anything but it, it's all it's about trying to figure out what actually one is feasible two is 
actually interesting to other people. I think that's an important one. And going back to Tenet, I feel like Nolan perhaps didn't consider his audience. I think he made a film that he really wanted to make, and he's clearly thinking on a level way beyond what most people can think and understand. Yeah. And he's researched something. But, you know, you shouldn't expect your audience to be experts in the things that you're interested in. Uh, that's why I've got a lot of respect for, you know, Pixar film, you know, films that are artistically interesting, but also can relate to different audiences, you know, like to simultaneously to a child and a, and a father or a mother and then the grandparents as well on different levels. I think that's a real different kind of intelligence and artistry. Um, yeah, it's that whole thing about, yeah, you could you could do a series on kind of anything and what you, what you choose is so important, especially if you're going to make, if, if film's going to be a thing, you better be fucking sure that what you want to make a film about, you do want to make a film about because it's, you're not going to get many shots in your life. Like even the most kind of successful filmmakers, maybe like Tarantino has made what, like about 10 films and that's kind of where you're going to max out at. So you better, you that's better. the thing. You know, when you think of a Tarantino film, if you, if you watch the, the Hate for Late or you watch Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill, they're all so different, but they're all smack of him and his mm. vibe and his, you know, he, he he's he's clearly, you, you can feel his personality in it. And and I suppose that that's that's the ultimate level of, of artistry, I think, is is when you're not just producing something, you're actually... Uh, Oh, how do I say this without saying like a complete knob? Uh, you know, you're you're taking your own character almost and putting it out there through your work and your own worldview and and you you know your your opinions and things like that. And I think you can tell, you know, with so many artists, you know, or like authors or uh, f filmmakers or photographers, the real good ones are the ones who, you know, have that kind of that rare thing of of having a, their own niche and their own style and their own flavor. And I think that's born out of not just getting the best equipment or doing it the most is it's, it's sitting there in your room and thinking about it endlessly about what you want to do and why you're doing it. And how does the next project lead on from the one you've done before? And, you know, what is it that you actually want to say, you know, like, like bands as well, like the best bands, a lot of their, albums are different in kind of instrumentation and stuff but still have that same feel and i think the beatles are a very good example of that yeah you know it actually brings me something i've been thinking a lot lately is like there's this weird thing at the moment where <clears throat> obviously with 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 film it's now becoming it's becoming so difficult in a sense that like a lot of people are having to really compromise and kind of bow down to what you know netflix or whatever it is want from them and you know change their ideas in in service of getting this thing made mm -hmm. putting in whatever characters to meet whatever kind of guidelines on the on the other end of the scale there's been because there's so much money in in it in it at the top end there's also been this trend of really respected people being able to make stuff so <laughs> totally free that it's kind of like they're entirely their own idea with no kind of quality control for like one of a better word so for instance yeah, people you know, are too frightened to, to yeah they're, they're, they're they've got bags of money if it's like amazon or whatever and uh you know they're in awe of this person so they, there's been that's happened a few times recently so there was the irishman which is like kind of scorsese was like i want to do this whole film i want to shoot it with simultaneously with different lenses so i can digitally de-age robert de niro just like the most expensive thing and they were just like fuck it go ahead do what you want with it um once upon a time in Hollywood, Tarantino, like his 
even though such a big, so promoted and such big, like, talent in it so like not com- not a commercial mainstream film at all but he got away with it because of similar things and then just recently this charlie kaufman thil- film that everyone's been talking about i'm thinking of ending things so mm. you know he wrote uh being john malkovich and eternal sunshine of spotless mind and all these yeah. kind of slightly weird but still very good films and then he's made this new film that is a fucking bonkers and it's funny because like all three of those films I got something out of, but they, they're, and honestly, they're not the greatest of either any, any, any three of those people's work. And you could even argue Tenet is a similar sort of thing, but on some level, I kind of just like watching it, knowing that that's what they wanted to do. It's like, there's a version of, there's a version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where a studio has stepped all over it and turned it into something with way more of a plot. And maybe, you know, one of the characters, there's more at stake and there's more of a kind of chase going on. And instead, you got this weird, sprawling, arguably overly long thing. But on some level, I think I kind of prefer watching that and just like watching Tarantino's mind unravel on film than watching something that was made by like a committee, like a board meeting, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's funny because I think if Tarantino had been honest, he wouldn't he wouldn't have marketed it as like a Hollywood blockbuster film no. like, like they did, but that's what they do because they need to get their hundreds of millions back that have gone into <laughs> making the film. Uh, and, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that every, everyone has to just produce hits and like try and please their audience all the time, but it is interesting seeing people just, you know, like bands sometimes do it. They write their commercial hit and then they release an album that's like a bit wacky and is much more of what they want to do. And that works out for them sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work out for them. Uh, and mm. I do get it, but it's in, there, there's definitely a sweet spot, isn't there? Uh, yeah. Where where someone is, you know, like Tarantino, the story of how he made um, Reservoir Dogs is really great, how he, he struggled so hard for funding and then did it on like a shoestring, relative shoestring. And mm. it was such a huge hit. And, and that was all because of him. Uh, and it proved you know, beyond doubt that he was capable of, of great writing and great directing. And then, you know, he, he didn't, it still wasn't that easy. I don't think for a couple of, people think that he was just like showered with money from the beginning, but he totally wasn't. He fought really hard. And then I think he had his period around Jackie Brown and, um, you know, definitely by the time of Kill Bill, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's definitely get, you know, he's a sure thing. Let's give him some money it's gonna it's gonna make its return and it will probably be highly entertaining as well and then he got into a strider there i guess it's the same as like a footballer is it's you know clubs always obeying to get the person before they've peaked like before they've you know crested uh, and get them cheap and then have them for their the best part of their the best chunk of their talents and then like sell them at an inflated price to someone else when they're on their decline. That's like the, yeah. you know the classic thing that happens. You see footballers get sold at the age of like thirty-four, um, which is old for a footballer, I believe, and they get sold for like you know seventy million pounds. But then they they don't they can't perform as they did six seven years ago. Uh, but because of their name, they bring something else to it to to the club. So they sell seats because people want to come and see this player. And yeah, it's, it's no, exactly it, the same with films. It is. Yeah, it doesn't come easy for anyone. It's just that that 
portion is more hidden, you know, and for every, like, I think we've said this before, but you know, people like DiCaprio just kind of, they just wander around eating soup in nice LA cafes and dating supermodels. But there definitely, definitely was a time where they were just like, like shopping them, putting their resume in front of whoever the fuck would read it in like LA, like, please give me representation, please. Yeah, Are there yeah, any commercials course, I can do? And like everyone has had that. It doesn't matter. And it's always important to keep sight of that because otherwise it can be disheartening to just think that like, and it's, you know, someone swanned in and got been like showered with budget because it, that's just never the way it is. Oh, it's um, interesting seeing the actors who, like you can, I, I feel like there are some actors who seem to, definitely be in it for money rather than their legacy and their artistic merit you know like uh, DiCaprio seems to take roles that are really good roles and very in mm. very entertaining you know very interesting and that he can inha inhabit you know all that blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, and De Niro did that for a long time but since has made some very questionable choices I imagine in exchange for huge sums of money which but in the oh, sense, yeah. I don't think he is as concerned with how he appears as an artist. I think he's more just just loves money. And, well, yeah, and we've got I've got we've got a whole episode coming on that based on a meeting I had with De Niro over a plate of sushi and on the south coast of Spain. It was very weird one time. Yes, so we'll, I'll go into that. I wanted to um, I, I, I promised that I'll I'll bring this full circle and. I was thinking bringing us back to Tenet and also the idea of like how we've, we've spoken a few times on the podcast about like, how is it that like good directors make bad films, you know? And like with most other things, whether it's photography or music, there's usually a general level of artistry that they take from project to project. Whereas a filmmaker, you could suddenly make a film and you're like, wow, this doesn't work on so many levels. It feels almost mm. kind of amateurish in a way. And I think I think actually have a solution to why that is. I think it is because film is like one of the only things where you can't abort. You can't decide that your good idea is no longer a good idea. Like if you, if you're starting to do a painting and it goes to, it starts to just not be happening. You just scrap it. You just have to keep going. If it, yeah, if a mute, if you're writing a song and you've got a really good chorus, but you don't know how to come out of it or like, what's the breakdown going to be or what's the bridge going <laughs> to be? You, you just save yeah. it for something else. But film is the only thing where like, all you've really got, what you've sold is just a blueprint, the script. And it's a very, very, brief blueprint but then after that and then all the money's involved then you're just in and if it's not coming together in the editing suite well you better just do the best job you can because it's yeah, coming yeah. out <laughs> one way or the other and i think i think that's what it is is that like and they probably know like they probably know that what they're making isn't as good but obviously they can't dwell on that so they just kind of have to look at the positives but they probably know that this isn't the right idea like mm. quite even if not in the shoot then definitely once they're in the editing room in some cases yeah, because if a scene's integral and it takes two days to shoot and it's a disaster or like the actor doesn't do it right, like you you have to keep it. Yeah. That's it. It, it reminds even, yeah. me of, uh, I was watching the new Netflix documentary on the Challenger, the uh, the space shuttle that exploded sadly and killed um, mm, a civilian yeah. and, and a few astronauts. Um, and they were saying about, they had a NASA expert uh, talking about that, that rocket and the ones before were called the Saturn rockets and they were built in a different way. These new ones were, uh, I mean, I may have got this wrong a little bit, but um, they said that the, the technology that they used, it was, it was essentially like the rockets were just 
enormous bombs essentially like and just full of fuel and once they ignited they couldn't be switched off and uh that's what the problem was like essentially like the, 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 so so like the rush they were saying that the russians built rockets where if something was going wrong they could turn it off and at least try and like whereas these rockets were just uh wow yeah li- literally it would burn the entire payload of fuel in two in however many minutes and then that would be it and like you had no choice but you were going to space that was it or you were going to blow up and i think that that kind of reminds me of making films <laughs> it's like once you've got to that point where you ignite it and you start filming it's like that's it you're you've got to just rock burn through your budget until <laughs> until it's done and then hope that it's all okay <laughs> crazy it, it's right. i mean it sounds so like if you you should watch it it's it's just totally totally bananas yeah Oh, anyway, I will, I will. but yeah, no. You the the thing with with filmmakers who you know sometimes make a bad film. I think it's such an interesting phenomenon that a lot of photographers have this kind of window of um of being good, mm. and then they they just drop fall off a cliff. And there are very few photographers who have done where they're relevant for like four decades. You know, or like, I don't know who's a band who have done really well for a long period of time. Someone like Nile Rogers, that guitarist from Sheet, you know, he's he's been in the industry from like the teenage years to now, and I think he's getting on a little bit now. That you know, there are very few photographers who have had careers at the, the top level for that long. They just can't seem to sustain it, and I, I don't know whether it's because of their ambition, you know, their life priorities change, maybe they they have a family and that becomes more important, or whether they just run out of ideas. I think, yeah, I mean, obviously there's no one size fits all reason, but I think it has got to be a lot of it has got to be to do with your life. I think as a photographer, because it is photography is twinned with your life in a way that other things aren't, you know, and, and if you're a director, just every couple of years or maybe, you know, a lot longer, maybe every seven years you go away and you do principal photography on this set. But with photography, especially if it's street photography, is so much a part of your life that what is going on in your life makes a big difference. And if there's a period of your life where it's exciting and you're moving around a lot or you're part of this subculture that's happening, then you're probably going to produce a lot of really great stuff. And if there's a time in life where you feel a bit more stagnant or whatever, whatever's going on in your life, it it, it might not be popping off as much. So obviously that's not always the case, but I think that's definitely, which you touched on has got something to do with it. How about in the event of a global pandemic where you can't travel around (laughs) or do anything? (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Strap me to that rocket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a burnout, baby. <laughs> exactly. All uh, right. Well, I think that's a great point to, <laughs> I to, think so too. to terminate this, uh, this mission. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Al. <laughs>